Do you wish you could help survivors of domestic violence? Like right now, in this moment. Do you wish there was an easy way? And do you think that survivors deserve protection from abusers with access to guns? And that these survivors should not have to sacrifice their jobs and childcare to access legal resources that could potentially save their lives? Well, I have great news for you. There is something you can do to help literally right now. Okay, recap. Do you guys remember last year when our amazing local senator, Mankadingra, side note, not related, she is a huge Supernatural fan and she knows Misha Collins. Oh my God, he's so handsome. Okay, anyways, she came on the podcast to talk about this emergency protection order passed by our governor in Washington state. And what it did was it allowed survivors of domestic violence to file for protection orders online because before literally the pandemic, this was not a thing. If you are a survivor who said, I'm in fear for my life and my abuser has a gun, you had to take time off work, find someone to watch your kids, go into the courtroom, file a petition, go stand with an advocate, write shit on a piece of paper, and face your abuser in person. And it could be a multi-day friggin' event because as we all know, courts move as fast as a banana slug. Yeah. And do you guys also remember she came on the podcast to talk about how our lovely local Republicans blocked an extension of this protection order? You know, the one designed to help survivors during a pandemic when domestic violence was skyrocketing. Yeah, because, wow, filing for protection orders online, doing court Zoom meetings, wowza. Yeah, seriously. Huge barriers to getting these protection orders before the freaking pandemic shut down the courthouses and then the drama, 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 oop because the Republicans did not want to extend these emergency orders because they're so scared that abusers might lose access to their guns. Until we, as a community, put pressure on them. And it worked. They caved, and the emergency protection order was extended. And guys, now we have a chance to do it all again. We have a chance to make these changes Permanent, As in, if this new bill, Senator Maka Dingra, like passes and becomes law, House Bill 1320, we could live in a state where survivors can file for protection orders online. No more missing work. No more finding childcare or facing down an abuser in person. It could make accessing this legal protection so much easier. And if it passes, it doesn't just stop. In Washington state. Other states are looking at what we are doing here and are thinking of following our example. So here's the deal. We need to stand up and show our support. Google HB 1320 at wa.leg.gov and leave a comment on the bill saying how much you want it passed. If you're really motivated like I was, you can actually Google the members of the House Committee uh, who are looking at the bill and email each one of them individually. I actually did this and had a hilarious exchange, which I will share at the end of the episode. It was actually kind of... Oh my god, yeah. Anyways, 
post about this on social media. Tell your friends and family. Play them this episode and the original episode. It was called COVID-19-4-2045. And guys, we came together before and these protections were extended. And we can do it again and make a permanent change to help people. So next up, I am welcoming Senator Mankadinger to further explain about HB 1320 as well as the process and challenges to getting it passed. So listen up, get motivated, and guys, it's time to mobilize. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Welcome back, Senator Dingra. It's good to have you. Same here. It's so good to be back chatting with you. So let me see if I understand what's going on. What we are talking about today is um, a lot of the work you did during the lockdown, the emergency protection orders that you're now trying to carry over, even as our state is opening back up and hopefully exiting the pandemic. Is that correct? Yes, this actually is from all the work that was done during uh, the emergency um, orders. And as I'm sure your listeners remember, it was a big fight this summer when we needed them extended and we need all four corners. So the Senate Democrats, Senate Republicans, uh, House Democrats, House Republicans to actually sign off on the executive orders in order to extend them. And this was one that there was a fight about. And finally, the Republicans agreed and signed. And so I'll say this is one of the silver linings of COVID. What we found is um, because of the manner in which the criminal justice system had to pivot to create more access to survivors of uh, domestic violence, sexual assault, we actually discovered a much better process. Um, And so this is what this bill is about. Of course, it is making sure we take this opportunity to make sure this access is available to all survivors of our protection orders. So we have six different types of protection orders and this actually combines them all. Uh, And then we go and make sure that we're cleaning up all the inconsistencies and, and some of the weird stuff that has happened over the years when these orders have been created. So um, it's not about uh, doing anything new as such. It is about streamlining, cleaning up, and making sure we're creating more access to individuals with online petition and uh, hearings that can be done virtually, uh, making sure we have service that can be done electronically. And so for me, I think this is such a huge step forward for creating access to all survivors to make sure they can stay safe. This has been going on for quite a while because we've been in lockdown for nearly a year at this point. What sort of examples have you seen from this past year about how these emergency orders have helped survivors? You know, um, we have so much great data coming out, especially of uh, King County, talking about uh, the numbers where people have been able to access the courts and access this in a way that they never have before. Um, And we know from all the news reports that domestic violence has been on the rise. Uh, Homicide um, due to domestic violence has been on the the rise. We have seen uh, so much of that in King County alone. And um, so we know that the need is, the tremendous need is there. What is also really amazing to see is that um, other, other states um, are looking at Washington as the model in adopting this. And um, the head of our domestic violence unit in King County has actually presented on national conferences 
about what um, Washington is doing. So this really is something that could change not just um, access to justice for Washingtonians, but really could be a model used for everyone across the country. And just to clarify, a lot of these examples in our state are those online hearings and filing electronically, correct? Correct. So it is about making sure that you don't have to be have to walk into a courtroom and stand there with an advocate and you know write down your statement on a piece of paper that you have the opportunity of um, doing it online, of filing the petition, having um, that hearing be done so that you don't have to necessarily take a whole day off from work, file childcare, figure out how to go to a courthouse. Um, and so really making sure we are protecting due process rights, that we are making sure that this protects everyone involved and that there is a hearing where a judge hears from all parties, but doing it in a manner that is efficient and effective for people. I think most people would be surprised this hasn't been enacted before. When you think about our daily lives up until this point, many things were done online as a matter of convenience. How come it took this long to include this, something so crucial for survivors in that process? You know, I'll, I'll just say we as a country do not do a good job investing in technology uh, and te technology infrastructure for our government services. Um, uh, you know, as a, as a country, there is this narrative that we cannot spend money in government. And this is the result. If you don't, the systems are not efficient. They are not effective. And so this is not true just in the criminal justice system. You hear this on people who are struggling, who are trying to access benefits that they're entitled to. And they will talk about how it takes them so long to get the help that they need. And it's because this this narrative of not investing in the infrastructure, the technology infrastructure in our government is there. And um, I agree with you, especially in the state of Washington, uh, which is the, the technology hub of the world, we should have a much streamlined process for everyone to access all sorts of government services. So hopefully this is just a start, um, but we really need to make sure that people are aware, you know, you get what you pay for. And if we don't invest, in our government technology services, the user experience is simply not going to be there. Last time uh, we talked about the drama, drama, drama with the Republicans not wanting uh, these protection orders because there was, from my perspective, um, an issue with people's rights, uh, especially involved with firearms. Do you think this time the process will go smoother or are you expecting to put up a fight? You know, I, I think you hit um, the nail on the head um, with domestic violence orders and a lot of protection orders, you have to give up your firearm and rightfully so. Someone is scared of you, you've threatened someone, you should not have a firearm. And we have those statistics that when a gun is involved in a household um, where there's domestic violence, there's a 500% chance that the woman's going to get killed. And I'm saying woman just because that is uh, the vast majority, but we know this happens um, to all um, genders. Um, and so I think you will find that not everyone is going to be enthusiastic about supporting this bill. I do think that I'm hopeful that there will be uh, mixed support. I'm hopeful that uh, many Republicans will agree that this is the right way to move forward. And this is a way we protect um, all survivors in our state. 
looking back at the fight last time when we finally did get the Republicans to agree, um, what do you think was the turning point, the tipping point to kind of get them to recognize the need for this protection order? I'll say it's all of the people listening to this podcast. It was the community. It was the advocates. Um, if all of you hadn't called, emailed, and really made sure that everyone was paying attention, this would not have happened. And so I think it's great you're interviewing me again at this point in time, because I'll tell you, this is the time to mobilize. Let's make sure you let everyone know that it is critical that we pass this bill. Um, because, you know, the pandemic is going to go away and we cannot go back to a system that was not working for survivors, that was making it harder for survivors to get the help and the protection they need. And so we need to take this opportunity to move forward. Okay, yeah, I think um, I think all the Republicans were kind of annoyed with me last time. I was calling them multiple times. <laughs> it was like, leave me alone, leave me alone. So let's say um, I'm a listener. I'm sitting at home right now going, yes, I want to help. Uh, how do they start? What do they do? So the first thing I would do uh, is go to the Washington Ledge uh, website, wa.ledge.gov. And you can actually just search for a bill. And so... Um, I would recommend that you search for uh, 1320, um, oh, I'm, and the Senate bill number is 5297. And um, you can actually follow a bill, you can see what committee it's in, you can then click and see who the members of that committee are. And the contact information for all the members are right there. So step one, would be to identify all the committee members, make sure you contact all those committee members and ask them to please pass it out of committee. Um, and, uh, and then you follow the bill to the next committee because this is a bill that is going to have to go to appropriations in the house. And uh, because it does have a dollar figure attached to it because we do want to make sure that these um, services are being upgraded. A critical part of this also is, is in ensuring that these protection orders are translated to all the different languages that we need them to be. And that is a big lift, but this is something that should have been done decades ago to make sure that all survivors can read this information and file the petition. So uh, I think the next step would be to make sure you identify all the members in the appropriations committee and make sure they know how important it is and the dollars have to be spent here because it's a one-time investment in making sure the translation is done. Uh, of course, we'll have to update it as needed, but you know that's not significant. And really make sure we have the resources to do, uh, to do this online. And then of course, once it gets on the floor, it's about making sure everyone votes for it. And then unfortunately, you have to repeat the process when it gets to the Senate. So follow it back in committee and then back in ways and means and then back onto the floor. And only once both chambers have passed it in the exact same um, format does it get to the governor's desk. So, you know, um, it's, it's not easy to get a bill to become law, but it takes advocacy from the community to make sure that it is top of mind because there are great ideas all over the board, but it's about making sure that your idea is elevated so people feel compelled to act on it. So for everyone at home who wants to know, when should we finish sending those last emails, making those last phone calls? When is the first deadline to kind of make our voices known? So the, the bill had a hearing uh, this week in, um, in the House. And so I think now's the time to mobilize and make sure that all the committee members uh, on that committee 
uh, vote it uh, out of the House and onto appropriations. So um, that's the next homework. And then uh, make sure you track that bill um, online so that you know when it gets that next hearing and, and uh, it's, it's repeat and rinse or rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. It's a lot of work, but I think it's important to realize this is how our government works. And if we want change, we can't just assume it's going to happen. We have to work hard and push for what we believe in. You know, and I think the last few years have definitely told me democracy is not a spectator sport. It's, it's, it's a team effort. And so um, the team has to mobilize. The team has to mobilize. All right. Okay, I will definitely, and I'll probably make a video too where I like walk everyone through it and I'll post all the information that I can. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about this before we sign off? No, you know, this is just such, um, I think the reason why it's so important that this bill gets passed this year is because there is this understanding of domestic violence in a way that hasn't happened in the last few years. Uh, it has uh, really come to light because of the lockdown. And so if something this big is to happen, it has to be this year. A little momentum just pushing it through till the end. Yeah, because um, you know we did expand that bill, this bill to really do a major cleanup of all the protection orders. And so that level of um, energy is hard to mobilize. And so I think this is the year to make sure we get it done. Well, you have my support and I will be reaching out to everyone I know and poking them and giving them cheat codes to help with that. So hopefully um, we can come together again and really make this a reality. It's something that I would love to see happen for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we'll stay in touch. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I know every time someone says local politics, the reaction is, oh God, no, I can't do that. It's so boring and scary. I might actually die of barfness. So thank you. See, it wasn't that bad. Actually kind of interesting. And as a reward and a thank you for hanging in there with me, I am going to share a hilarious exchange I had with a Mr. Actually, wait, I'm not going to share the name. That seems kind of dumb. But basically, um, a state rep for the people of a certain district who I emailed about supporting HB 1320. Basically, I wrote like a generic, hey, you can help people, please pass it, you know, be a leader for the state and the nation, blah, blah, blah. And the response was, hello, Mr. Gliboff. Thank you for contacting our office. We appreciate your thoughts and input. Thank you for your time. Please contact us with any more questions or comments. And I was like, hmm, really? You don't say. Dear you, I appreciate your response. It is both reassuring and inspiring that our local politicians are dedicated public servants with impeccable attention to detail. Sincerely, Mrs. Me. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not that funny, but I was sitting here just like, oh my God. Like, I, I, I've been there where I've made a typo, but ouch, public office, damn. So public servants are people too, it turns out. And when you write in, I hope that you will double check your spelling before you press that send button. Remember, 
wa.leg.gov, House Bill 1320. Leave a comment right on the bill saying, please, please, please support this. We need help survivors. And if you want to write into the show, you have questions, comments, or concerns, inspirational stories also need not apply, please email us at thedivadiscussion at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. TikTok is back up and running. We all have stories, and they deserve to be heard. See you next time. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also visit their website, thehotline.org. If you identify as an abuser or a word you might be an abuser, please call the hotline as well. They'll be able to help you. Please remember, you're not alone.